Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. Are you a small business owner who thinks they pay too much in taxes? We can help. Give us a call or book a meeting by clicking the link in the show notes to book a free financial consultation so you have peace of mind about your financial future. We're also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. If you're a business or HR leader and you're needing a competitive employee benefits package to help you retain and attract that top talent, we can certainly help. Check us out to book a free consultation and create a customized benefit package that fits your business and budget. We're back again, Al. I'm so excited. Podcast Friday. What's going on with you as we head into the weekend? Well, I'm very excited about our guest today, and I'm sure you'll do the introduction, but a returning guest. And we just had a little bit of banter just moments ago, and I'm anxious to dive into to some more of it. Yes, absolutely. I'm so excited. I've said it before. People are going to get so tired of me saying this, but I say it over and over again. One of the reasons I love the podcast is number one, get to meet new people. Number two, it's one of the very few occasions we have where you turn off emails, you turn off the phone, we get to sit back and connect one-on-one or you know, two-on-one, I guess in this case, with someone and get to know them really well. And they become part of our network. They become colleagues, centers of influence but they also become friends. Like the amount of friends, new friends that we've made through this podcast has been incredible. And and yesterday was an example and I was chatting with someone online and I was thinking it's amazing the ability and where we are today to develop these relationships in the digital space without even having met those people. And yesterday we took a former podcast guest out to lunch and it was the first time we met in person And the conversation just picked up. Like it was just so natural. So Leah Carr is one of those people we've become friends with. She's become a great friend of the podcast and a great resource for me, especially in the space that we work in. And maybe we can talk about that a little bit, but a returning guest and so happy to have you back, Leah. Yeah. Well, one, thank you for having me. Two, I did turn my phone upside down and turn off the Bluetooth to my watch. So it is really nice to, you know, be disconnected for a little bit of time and Three, when are you guys taking me out to lunch? I feel like that's... uh, Well, that's the next step, right? Yeah. (laughs) Well, we were going to record this in person. We had talked about it on this last episode and it didn't work out. So maybe we, uh, as soon as we're done here, before we sign off, we book that lunch so we make sure it happens. A lot of people will consume this in their ears, right? It'll, It'll be audio, but we always release a clip on LinkedIn and hopefully people enjoy those. But I think we have to point out the artwork behind you before we go any further. Whose artwork is that? Because it's beautiful. That is is my niece, Lila. The drawing above was for my 40th birthday. And the one below was we went to see Joseph in the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And so that is a very beautiful rainbow that you see there. Very cool. It's funny. I did a post last week about we use virtual backgrounds because, you know, I'm a marketer. I always want to put my brand out there. But I love seeing people's backgrounds. And we've created these conversations and, and connected with people over artwork like yours or 
the Millennium Falcon. I remember I met the CFO for the first time and it was early pandemic. So, and he was in Toronto. So he had to find space in his home to work and his son's room was the best place. And there was, you know, from Star Wars and we connected right away. So it's great to see that. Leah, I want to talk about something before we get into business and the nitty gritty of that, because I always enjoy our conversations around that. You recently posted two pictures on LinkedIn. So I want to talk about that because I think we're very much aligned on travel and the importance of it. You'd already talked about it before, so I'm not outing you, but your 40th birthday, you had a big celebration. So maybe you can talk about what you did and the value of that. And you recently posted a picture of one of my favorite places to visit, and that was Amsterdam. You were right on the canal. You got the iconic picture, you know, with the flowers in the background and the canal and the buildings, just beautiful. I've always felt that travel is really important, especially for a business leader. You're working so hard. There's, you know, the last couple of years, there's been so much more to think about. And I've always said travel is one of those things that we spend money on to make you richer. And I think you would ask me where that saying would come from. And I wish I could give credit to whoever came up with it. But just from a perspective of leading a company, we've had conversations where because travel was locked down for a little while during the pandemic, people just weren't taking the vacation. And we had to come to a point where we were talking about, hey, even if you're not going anywhere, you need this time. It's very important that you get away from the business, shut everything off and have that time for you. So maybe we can just start off this episode talking about how you feel about that travel and why it's important. And as a leader of the organization, do you promote that down the line for your employees to make sure they're getting their time away from the company? Yeah, I think the only way to encourage your employees to take their time away is to take time away yourself. That's how things work. It's always lead by example. And if you go on vacation and you're plugged in the whole time, your people are probably going to be plugged in the whole time as well. And so it's important to really take that time away. And of course, it depends on the timing of what's going on in the business. You can't always fully disconnect. And I think that's okay too. You know, I know for me, so Europe, I'll talk about that trip first. I went in September and if I was doing this podcast from home, the art you'd see behind me would be a Daniel Ricardo race helmet. I am a huge Formula One fan. We might've talked about it on the last podcast. And so one of my friends and I, we went to two Formula One races. We went to one in Zandvoort, which is just outside of Amsterdam, and then one in Monza, which is just outside of Milan. And that was sort of the main part of that trip. But we basically walked everywhere and, and, and saw both cities and it was great. And on that trip, Killer was in a different time. So yeah, I worked a little bit every day. Sometimes we'd have downtime in the afternoon. I'd spend a couple hours and that was okay because that was what I needed to do for myself to relax. And, and that's what was needed. The trip in Mexico, this was a totally, first of all, it was a shorter trip. It's only five days, but it was a really unique experience. So I did turn 40 and I went to Mexico with 14 of my friends. So there are 15 of us on this trip. A lot of people like myself leading their own companies or, you know, in senior roles. And one of the things that really amazed me was that everyone disconnected, like people's phones were in their rooms. And I think just like a leader in a company disconnects and leads by example, when everyone around you is doing it, you do it as well. And so at one point, someone's safe actually got um, locked and we, we were in this amazing Airbnb and we said, oh, we don't care if they come fix it until tomorrow morning. And two people had their phones in a safe all overnight and they were just okay with it. And it allows a whole different level of conversation. You know, every time I looked around, there'd be three people over here talking about something like super nerdy. And one person would be educating the others who were deep and interested. And then 
over here, there'd be people like someone would be doing a TED talk on some like big world event that's happening. And then there'd be like a bunch of people having like a pop culture conversation. And it was just, it wasn't like anything I've ever experienced. And I'm, I'm so grateful that I have so many friends that were willing to go away and that I got that time away from work and to reflect and just, it was so wonderful. It's so refreshing to hear. I'd like to say I'd be brave enough to lock my phone in the safe. That's really impressive, but I think that's really important. And it reminds me recently, I was down in Aruba and I went to work and it was close to where we had a holiday. So I took, I actually took two days off, but the entire week before I was working. And, you know, I've talked to people that I believe that's a skill set because it's, it would be very easy to screw around when you're in an exotic location. But the way I set up my days, I'm very focused. I enjoy what I do. So I work. And the two days that I had booked off, a lot of times creative ideas come for me when I take time purposefully out of the business. And I remember sending Al all these texts. And Al's our CEO. So, you know, he oversees everything in the company. And he wrote me a line. He said, hey, yeah, this is a great idea. But then it was very capital letters but what the hell are you working for? And my answer was- my Turn answer off to him, your mind. Exactly. <laughs> I my, think that's what I said. Turn off your brain for a while. Yeah. And my answer was, yeah, but you don't understand. It's the same answer to my wife. I love this stuff. But my wife was very happy to hear Al say, she said, see, even Al saying that. So I did. I put it away because that ability to be able to work is great. But I think to have that time to just totally disconnect and those ideas are going to be there anyway. And I think as a leader of an organization, when you're doing it and saying, hey, this is what we're doing, I think that's probably why you had a lot of people follow suit. So kudos to you for doing that. Thank you. So travel, I could talk about travel all day. I'm sure you could too. But let's dive into what we're seeing, especially in the tech space, because I was dealing with a client yesterday and you know we're rolling in our new benefits plan and even they're worried about hey what do we do if you know we see more layoffs in tech and that sort of thing so in your experience over the last little while what are you seeing in terms of layoffs in terms of hiring how is that affecting culture and reputation of companies what do you think yeah we're living through weird times lots of layoffs going on but lots of hiring going on don't quote me on this stat but i saw something like for every one person being laid off, there's two roles open or something along those lines. It does affect company culture. You know, when you lay off, the people who are left are often worried about their roles because what we're seeing now are multiple rounds of layoffs. I know Facebook did a round or sorry, Meta, they did a round and then they did another round and then they've announced that there's a round coming for their tech employees. I think it's this month. And then there's a round coming for business employees. Like, People just don't feel secure. When people don't feel secure, they're not as happy. They're not as productive. Like it's just, it's affecting everyone in, in all the businesses. And I think what's been really interesting, and I've seen it criticized quite a bit, is that a lot of these companies are both laying off and hiring at the same time. And so we talked a lot about it last time, like how companies should be taking these more skills-based approaches and skills-first strategies. And if these companies were doing that, if they understood the skills of their people and not just the roles of their people, then they'd be able to, before a layoff, say, okay, these are the you know 10,000 people being laid off. These are the 10,000 roles open. Like, where are the matches? Can we at least give people options of moving into other roles? Because you also don't want to force people into a role they might not want. But maybe someone does want to make a bit of a career change because they're in a role that's disproportionately getting affected by layoffs. And so... I think if you did it that way, one, 
you've saved a ton of money. You've saved money from the layoffs. You've saved money on the recruiting costs. But I think you'd also save a lot of money and save some of the spirit of your culture. Because if I worked at a company that did something like that, I'd feel pretty good. Like that's a really, I don't know what the word is. It's not appropriate, but that's like a really responsible thing to do maybe is the right word. Like let's figure out who can fit where let's lay off the most minimum amount of people. And I think what any employee really wants when they're seeing layoffs is they want to feel they were done right. And it's so hard to do mass layoffs in the right way. You know, I've heard criticism. Oh, so many people are being laid off in a mass zoom call. And I'm thinking, but I don't know what the alternative is. Like there really is no good way to do a mass layoff. It's usually everyone is invited to the kitchen and then they're told, and then they have a one-on-one conversation. I mean, there's always a one-on-one conversation that follows, but if you start telling people one-on-one rumors start spreading, everyone's panicking. Like that's also not a great approach. So there is no great way, but when it's all said and done, the employees who remain feel like the company really put their best foot forward. I think that's super important. So you talked a little bit in there about skill-based strategies and try to retrain people and recognize who you could move into a different role. And I know we did talk about that last time. Are you seeing companies do that? And if so, how are they getting that success? What are they doing that's maybe different from other companies? Yeah, companies are definitely starting to do it. I mean, that's what the Tiller platform is. And we have a you know a good number of customers. One observation I have is that the companies in... Europe, UK specifically, are thinking about it way more than the companies in Canada and the US. We have a lot more inbound from the UK. You know, they're looking at skills-based strategies across a bunch of different areas. They're specifically looking for learning and development platforms that are skills first. Whereas what I see more often in North America is maybe you're reading the Deloitte and the Josh Burson and the McKinsey. I mean, all of those analysts are talking about these skills approaches. But this tends to be how we operate here is, you know, in 12 months or six months, we're going to say, oh my God, we should have been doing this two years ago. And then we're all going to be rushing to get these strategies done. You know, I came from fintech and that's the same thing that happened with open banking here. And again, the UK was really far in advance. So I see people starting to think about it more and more. But what I do notice is that when we explain what it is we do at Tiller and how it can help, People are like, oh yeah, this is the way we we should be doing things. And so there's a lot of excitement. And I think there's a lot of understanding that if you don't really know the skills of your workforce, you're so limited in what you can really do in terms of productivity, in terms of efficiency, in terms of growth and development and retention. And I think we've never been able to understand the skills up until more recently. And so only now are people starting to think about it, but I think the time is very short until it's going to be an unacceptable thing to not be doing. And people aren't going to want to work in your company if you aren't operating with one of these skills first strategies. Well, that brings up a good point. And I wanted to ask you, because I've been thinking about this as you were talking about that, because Al and I are running an organization along with our other business partner and we're moving people or a growing firm. Are there best practices for business leaders to identify? So we make sure we know, hey, this person has this skill set. Maybe we don't have a need for that today, but if anything ever changes, wow, at least we know we've got that internally and we can promote within because obviously we want to do that wherever possible. So are, are there best practices, Leah? Yeah, I would say number one is just figure out the skills needed for each role along with the proficiency needed for each role. 
You can do all of this as a paper exercise. It's very hard to maintain. There's platforms out there that can help you with it. We can help you with it. We can have that conversation when we go for lunch. But yeah, understand the skills of your roles, the proficiency needed, and pay attention to how roles are changing in the market because there's a second thing happening that's outside of each individual company, which is just as a society, the skills that are needed are changing. Back in 2007, it was predicted that 45% of jobs would be eliminated because of automation. And then that didn't happen, but we lived like that was going to happen. And you pair that with digital acceleration because of the pandemic and AI and the skills for jobs have changed by about 25% in the last seven years. And that's supposed to double in the next five. So it's also important that we watch out for how the skills for roles are changing and that we make sure we're giving people those skills so that they can at a minimum maintain their role. So, I mean, that would be the first best practice I would say. And the second is understand the skills of your people. Today, we know what we hire people to do. We don't necessarily know what they can do. Those are two very different things. And I think it's important to not just look at skills gained from work experience and education. How about volunteer experience? How about life experience? There's so many ways we gain skills. And a lot of people have side hustles or side projects. Maybe someone's really famous on TikTok or they have, you know, a huge following on Instagram. Like they gain tons of skills developing those personal passion projects. And so you want to understand the skills of your people. And once you have those two things, the rest of it becomes a lot easier. And I'll focus on the learning and development piece for a second, which is the number one reason people leave their jobs is lack of development. And our answer to that is often, okay, well, let's promote people to retain them. But when you promote people to retain them and don't give them the skills they need, they're probably, not probably, but they may fail. And, you know, your company may not get the impact that you wanted from that role. And so I think the other shift that has to happen, and again, there's tools that can help you with this is let's get people first understanding where the opportunities exist to upskill and gain new skills in their existing role. Let's then talk about where this person wants to move next. Let's start giving them the skills. And then when you move someone, they're more set up for success and you've invested in them to help them grow, but also to help them create better impact and bigger outcomes for your company. That win-win really needs to exist for the employee to succeed. It has to be employee and company or what's happening is there's a lot of learning going on, not a lot of development, and it's just a waste of time and money for both parties. You hit on a couple of things there and it made me think of another avenue that I want to ask you about because we've talked about already companies laying off people and uh, maybe not recognize their skills. I think there's a perception and I'm not sure if it's a perception or reality. So let's flip this around a little bit. When people leave, and I think, again, the perception, especially with young people, is around a lot of younger people are in a job role for it could be six months, it could be a couple of years, but it's not long-term. It tends to be flipping between jobs, moving between jobs. And again, I don't know whether that's perception or reality. Maybe you can give some insight on that. And if it is true, what do you think some of the reasons are? Is it some of the things we've already talked about? Just like they're not getting that development. They're not getting those skills. They're not utilized to their full potential. What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I think that job hopping obviously implies that it is the person who is continuously choosing to switch roles, but we never look at the reasons. And I think the younger generations, and I'll include myself in there, even though I just turned 40, we want more out of work. Our parents' generation 
you got a job and, you know, that job was to make sure your family had a good life and you kept that job. Mostly you kept that job for your whole life. And I think there was a lot of benefits to that and probably also to work-life balance and, and other things. But today we want meaning from work. We want to enjoy what we're doing. We want to feel valued and we want to be held accountable. We want to know that we're accomplishing things. And companies are not good at doing those things. And so I know almost every job I've ever taken, I've said like, I want to build this company. I want to build my career here. But often that can't happen. One, in tech startups, eh, we have some leadership issues in tech startups. You know, cultures tend to go down fast, but also the growth opportunities aren't there. There's a lot of, I don't even want to call them false promises. I think there's just a lot of disconnect between understanding what it actually takes. And it goes back to what I was just talking about, these learning and development perks that have come in. It's not enough. You know, you might give me $1,000 a year, but I don't just want to go out and learn. I want to come back, use those skills, develop and grow. And that's where we're really missing the mark. And so are people job hopping? Yes. Do I think it's always their fault? No, I think more often than not, it's that companies are not good at retaining people and don't put in the right effort. I think there's two areas that I would focus on first. One, no surprise, learning and development. Your learning and development should not be a perk. It should be a business strategy. And second is leadership. It's not acceptable anymore to have people leaders whose number one priority is not growing, developing, coaching their people. And I say it all the time. If you do not care about the success of other people on your team and growing their careers, you should not be a people leader, full stop. There's nothing around that. And that's not really how we promote people into people leadership or what we're looking at as the number one thing. And I think those two things need to be corrected and fast. What does that conversation look like? I'm asking really selfishly. I mean, success leaves clues is the name of the podcast. So I'm looking for clues. We have someone joining us mid-May young person, not that long out of school, has had experience. But again, you know, what's the conversation look like in the beginning to say, hey, we're really focused on your learning, your development. Obviously, we would like you to stay with our company for a long time, but we want to be part of that development. And even if you left one day, you know, be part of your success. But how do you have that conversation right at the beginning so someone knows, hey, this is a place where I could really develop. I'm going to be happy with what I do. And I have that opportunity to move up to the level that I want to in my career. One, I I think it has to start with helping someone succeed in their existing role. The first development should be your existing role. And this is mutually beneficial. So, you know, I'll come back to understand the skills and proficiency level needed for that role, understand where the person that's coming onto your company is at, and then create a development plan. You'll probably see okay, you know, this role, just make up a number, has 10 skills. And this person is matched in seven of them. Great. But there's two upskilling opportunities and there's one skill they need to gain. Well, let's find some micro-credentials. Let's get, you know, Coursera, Udemy licenses, whatever it may be. Let's connect them in with these courses. Let's find a mentor who can then mentor on these skills. And let's make sure that as these courses are completing, these mentorships are completing, we're giving this person hands-on work where they can demonstrate these skills. Once they're getting close to finishing this stage, let's start thinking about how this person wants to grow and what the company needs. 
aligning the goals of the employee with the needs of the business, that's the next really critical step. And then come up with a plan based on that and say, okay, here are the next few things we want you to develop. And again, make sure that person is getting the opportunity, even if it's stretch assignments, to work on these items so they are developing along the way. And it's something you need to revisit. You have quarterly touch points. You probably have a bigger conversation once a year and just always be making sure that it's tracking and that that alignment between their goals and your needs continues to exist. Yeah. Have you ever, um, because we were talking about your 40th birthday and you had a great celebration. And I remember you did that post and you got unbelievable amounts of impressions. I mean, the numbers just blow my mind. Do you remember the birthday card? Have you ever gotten one of these? And it usually starts when you get, I would say above 35. That's when it starts happening. And you get the card and it says you're not getting older. And then you open it up and it says you're getting better. Right. And it's interesting when you did the post about getting better and and how that, you know, in your career and, and aging as it relates to your career. And you got a lot of engagement on that post. Can you maybe talk a little bit about that? Because you and I are in different decades. And I look back at your decade that I was in, and it was a fantastic, I enjoyed it. But I can't say I wish I could go back in time, because now I'm, as a result of all that experience, the person that I am now, and I think I'm even further ahead in the decade that I'm in so far, has been really exciting and probably the most growth in my entire career. So maybe Carlton Cards had something on that, that you're not just getting older, you're getting better. So from your perspective, what have you heard and what was some of the feedback? And just would love to hear what your thoughts are on it. Well, I'm happy to say I received zero birthday cards that weren't hand-drawn by my nieces or my friend's kids. Otherwise, cards are pretty much just something that I think goes into the recycling bin. But yeah, I think, listen, like we're going to get older. You can't stop that. There's no point in really getting upset about it. Like it's life. Um, Every year you're going to be a year older and every day you're going to be a day older. And I think it's much better to focus on the positive things that come with that. And so- if I focus on careers, since this is a business podcast, I remember being the youngest person in companies and it does, it feels cool. Like oh, I'm the youngest person here and I'm still doing this job and it's an interesting job and you're learning from all these great people. Maybe in some cases you're more senior and you feel really special because of it. And like, that's all fun, but it's also so nice to get into a part of your career where I don't want to say you're past that because that is, you know, a really nice experience, but it's also nice to be in decades where you have more wisdom and you can share more wisdom and you can impart that on others and help them grow their careers. I think that's a really nice thing that comes with it. I think for a lot of us, there's a nice stability that comes with it. You know, you're going on different types of trips. Back in 06, I think I slept in a camper van through New Zealand. It was fantastic. Stayed in hostels in Costa Rica. I did like a real, you know, trekking tour in Thailand. And those are trips you do. And now it's, yeah, I went to two Formula One races and got to, you know, go away with 15 of my friends. Like every decade comes with different things and different moments to enjoy and growth in your career. And I think it's more important to embrace it and enjoy it than be upset about like, oh, I wish I could still drink until 2 a.m. and then still wake up and go to work the next day. Like, it's nice to appreciate what you can do in each of these decades and then look forward to what's next. It's funny. And I know we're talking business, but, you know, when it comes to travel, a lot of times that's personal. And I can relate to your early travels. I remember, you know, going with buddies and it was half price. It was I remember in Cuba, it was 
Labat Ice, we saw the sign. It said Labat Ice Estaki. And we were so excited because it was 50 cents. So we'd buy a case and put it down on the table. And your tastes change over time of what's important to you. And, and speaking of Amsterdam, that picture that I referenced in the top of the episode, I still remember walking through the Vincent van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam. It's one of my favorites in the world. And it's just, it's funny how as you age, what becomes important to you. And when you look at back at, at your life, it's, but it's all about those experiences. I love those experiences that I had when I was younger. I've loved the experiences I've had so far. And I look forward to the experiences that I'm going to have going forward. Right. So I agree with what you said. We can't fear getting older, especially in our career. I think there's a lot to impart on younger generations. And I think as you get older, that opportunity to mentor, I know that's important to Al as well. And to give back and help someone else in the career, that's incredibly rewarding. So yeah, I, I can see why you got a lot of engagement on that. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, I'll just say the Van Gogh Museum is amazing. My grandparents liked Van Gogh. They had this really weird self-portrait of him in there downstairs basement bathroom and they always would talk about some of the things Van Gogh had done and so it was a real experience to be in that museum and if it ever comes back to Toronto I don't know if you did it last time but the Van Gogh immersive exhibit was absolutely incredible they animated his art and put it to music and oh wow sat at the back with a friend and we were just actually I mean immersed in it and it was like we left and I was like I feel like I got a massage like it was just it was so incredible so if that comes back highly recommend yeah, I'd love to see that. That'd be amazing. Maybe we could just change track a little bit. Can you talk a little bit maybe about what you see out there as popular training, just in terms of leadership and that type of thing? Can you give us your thoughts around that? The training that most of our customers want to start with is leadership development training. And I think it's for the reasons I mentioned before that you need to make sure your leadership is prepared, not just to do their job. I mean, I think leaders have two jobs. There's the job that they need to do, and then there's the job they need to help others do, which includes helping those individuals progress their careers. And, you know, they haven't always had the opportunity to maybe see these leaders in action. A a lot of leadership is picked up by taking pieces of leaders you like and adopting those and seeing what you don't like and making sure you avoid that. But The training is really important as well. So like number one is leadership development training, which can't be just one course. Most things can't be, you know, micro credentials are really popular today, but you know, you typically have to stack that content on on top of each other to really start getting value. And so, yeah, leadership development, number one, I mean, lots of digital skills as well, how to use HubSpot and Webflow and Salesforce and all these tools. If you're new to using them, there's, there's a lot of that going on, but leadership development, number one, no question. And also just super important. And everyone has to adopt their own leadership style. There's things everyone needs to do. I think it's important to take content and absorb content from a variety of places, do mentorship with a variety of different leaders and figure out, you know, what type of leader do I want to be? And what is it most important for me to learn and focus on? So can I ask a question in the role that you're in? What do you think has been most beneficial to you in terms of developing your leadership skills? Yeah. I mean, I hate to give this answer, but I think it's been with a lot of bad leaders. It's not a bad answer. Yeah. <laughs> you can learn You can learn a lot. You know what? There's the old saying, a fool learns from their own mistakes and a wise man learns from other people's mistakes, right? You can learn a lot from seeing other people fail. Well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, I've worked for some good leaders and I've had the opportunity. I've spent a lot of time volunteering and there's a lot of great leaders in that space who I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity to learn from. But in the workplace, yeah, I've seen a lot of 
bad leaders, a lot of senior people who really care about what their boss thinks, aren't putting their people first, don't fight for their people, bullying, this bullying leadership style. It's a little bit more old school, but it's still around and it's so prominent and it never works. I mean, yelling at people in the workplace, this is not like an appropriate thing to do, especially when you're trying to get someone to correct a behavior. I had a boss once who really yelled at me and I told him, listen, like this is not going to work for me. I said, like you yelled at me and I left early on Friday and like for me, I love working Saturday mornings. It just, it makes my weekend better. It makes my week better. I told them, you know, and I didn't work Saturday for the first time in months. I said, you know, be nice to me. I said, if you're telling me something for the third time, okay, maybe raise your voice a little bit. I don't think we'll ever get there, but yeah, I've seen it. And it almost always gets people to, you know, be smaller and instead of be bigger. And so I guess I'm grateful for a lot of the not so good leaders I've worked for, because I think it's really helped me shape the type of leader I want to be in. It's always been important to me to encourage and develop others. And I think you can take so much pride and success in the success of others. And it's just so much nicer. It's much nicer than succeeding alone. I think that's a great answer. And it reminded me of something I heard. I used to coach kids in hockey and ball. And one of the things I heard another coach say is, you don't want to be the last coach that that kid ever plays for. Because that means you failed, right? They didn't want to come back and play, probably because they didn't enjoy you as a coach. And I think what you said talks about the same thing as a you know a leader, a boss, whatever you want to call them. If you're not enjoying working with them, then they really didn't do their job. It's very true. Yeah, you want everyone to want to come back and work for you. And if you can have a small piece in helping someone in their career success, that is as a leader, what really defines your success. It's how successful are those around me. And I saw it and I see it more in big corporations than I do in startups, but this mentality of like crushing people in order to succeed, but it's an odd strategy because the truth always is like, there's lots of room for people to grow. And if we support each other and work together and remember that we work for the same company, we will succeed more together than we will by trying to crush everyone to get ahead. Sage advice as always. Leah, you never disappoint. I love our conversations offline as well as online while we're recording. Before we go, quick plug for Tiller. Who should be reaching out to you to talk more and how do they get in touch with you? What's the best way? Yes. Tech companies, professional services, financial services. Basically, if you've got a bunch of knowledge workers sitting at a computer all day, you're learning and development to be a business strategy with impact and outcomes. You've got between 50 and I'd say about 5,000 employees. Reach out. You can email me, Leah, L-E-A-H at tiller.com or uh, find me on LinkedIn. I am pretty responsive. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, that does it for today's episode. Man, I really enjoyed this conversation. As always, I hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. And as you've seen here today, success leaves clues. See you next time.